Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. White privilege is just an acknowledgement that our world is uneven. We live in a country that's unequal. All human beings share solidarity. All of us are made in God's image equally and therefore worthy of dignity. We're all ruined and rebellious against God and therefore calls us solidarity and sin. And we all need the same Savior. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And away we go. It's the Wretched Radio Mail Call Delivery Bag Q&A Infotainment Nationwide Extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. That is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Friel. The mail is here! Ooh, this is Wretched Radio. So grateful that you send up pretty much anything to idea at wretched.org. Questions, comments, conundrum, snarks, stories, sermons, articles, whatever you think is wretched, please send it to idea at wretched.org. Now, Jimmy, I want to help you out before you go to the mailbag. Okay. I want to make sure that your vocabulary is robust. Oh, okay. And so I've taken the liberty of signing you up for dictionary.com, the word of the day. Thank you. Yeah. Would you like to know what, what, what the word of the day was yesterday? What was it? Autonomy. Autonomy. Yeah. Would you like to know what the word of the day was the day before? What's that? Descent. The day before that, choice. The day before that, draconian. Hmm. I wonder why they're camping on these words these days at dictionary.com. So now you are prepared to read emails sent to idea at wretched.org. All right. We've got a lot of them. Um, Let's come in this week. Uh, First, we'll start with Hope, who says she is a current Bible college student, and she was wondering if you had any advice on how she could study study the scripture and dive in without having a detached academic mindset. Yeah. That, that's every pastor's conundrum. <laughs> I'm writing a sermon. I'm not necessarily getting anything out of this. I'm writing a sermon. Well, let's approach this carefully. Can you ever study the Bible academically? And I think the answer is yes, there are times that you can. If you are studying for an exam and you need to get some facts down, you're, you're, it's just going to be some brute rote memorization. Perhaps you do need to write a paper. You're crushed for time. You just crank that thing out. Should you feel guilty that you're not reading the Bible devotionally? And I think the answer is no. Having said that, I do think that it should be a perpetual thought just hovering around the pastor or the seminary student. As I'm doing my homework, which is an academic pursuit, how can this knowledge grow me? And when you fail to do that, don't pistol whip yourself over it. Just keep it in mind. Keep it in view so that the words that you are studying actually warm your heart. And to fail to miss that opportunity and just say, "Uh, no, I'm just going to do all academic because it's not a sin to do it that way, would be to miss the point of studying the Bible, which is personal transformation and Christ-likeness. There are times when we can read it academically, but try to incorporate devotionally. And whether you're a seminary student or a pastor, please, I encourage you, please make sure that you do have devotional time in the Word, where it's not getting ready for the sermon, where it's not looking for a verse to make your point. 
You're just reading it because you want to answer the big questions that the Bible answers in virtually every verse. What does this say about God? What does this say about me? What does this say about the cross? Ask those questions as you read devotionally. And don't feel bad if you sometimes have to do it merely academically. Questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. All right, this one comes from Eva, who's wondering um, if you ever come in contact with any of the folks you witnessed to on Wednesdays. Again, do you ever keep in touch with them? <laughs> you okay? <laughs> Who is this Eva person? Maybe you'd like to give me a paper cut and pour lemon juice in it, too. Maybe some salt on top of that would be nice, Eva. This is a subject that I have to confess to you. It causes me to be a wee bit grieved. We go to Kenneth State. Uh, Kennesaw State University, and to the best of my knowledge, there isn't a close local church that is sound orthodox or engaging the students on the campus, because I think the ideal, it's not necessary every single time, but the ideal is if you're going to go to a university campus, share the gospel with somebody, and then just walk away. Nice to meet you. See ya. Ah, it's better if you can give them some literature. It's best if you can say, hey, there's a church right around the corner. Please go. Please visit this church, which is why if you're a good church and you've got a university campus near you, please go to the campuses so that you can encourage people to go to church. I don't get to do that at Kennesaw State University, and I have to confess, it is um, it's more than a source of occasional annoyance. It bugs me a lot. Thanks for that, Eva. Idea at wretched.org. All right. This one comes from Cam, who says he's 19 years old and hopes to propose to his girlfriend soon. However, they both uh, they both still attend the churches they were raised in. He's wondering how they could compromise and be able to worship together on Sunday mornings. Well, I think ecclesiology would guide you. How can you come up with a decision? With the assumption here, based on an email, is that they're both going to good churches that they grew up in. Now they're going to get married. Which one do we go to? If you are not thinking sacrificially and ecclesiologically, you're going to want to go to your church because you're comfortable there. You know people there. You, you're familiar with the smells and the routines. That's where we need to go to church. Enter an argument. You're just going to get into a fight over it. Instead, hold on. Marriage is not about me. Marriage is about we, and I want what is best for my spouse. So now I'm going to ask some ecclesiological questions. Which church will better serve the needs of this family? Which church will provide us the ability to serve the body? Which church is more sound, is more robust? Ask those questions and try to do it as emotionally detached as you possibly can because you probably love the church that you grew up in and then make the decision based on what is best for we and not just for the idea at wretched.org all right this one comes from noah he's wondering how public does a baptism need to be in order for it to be faithful to scripture can it be with just one other believer yes having said that that's that's not one of the purposes of baptism. We need to recognize the Ethiopian eunuch didn't have a crowd of believers gathered around him when he said, there's some water. What prohibits me from getting baptized? 
I don't know that there may be somebody who was was driving the carriage. They saw it. Baptism is intended to be a testimony that we have died to ourselves. We've been raised to new life in Christ. That's what it pictures. That's what it symbolizes. And when we go through that ordinance, we should, if I, if possible, do it as publicly as possibly, specifically with the body of believers with whom you are going to be sharing life. Having said that, it's not a sin if it's one, two, or frankly, if it's if it's even none. You don't need a witness to it. There's nothing in the Bible that says there needs to be somebody who writes down, yep, I saw him get dunked in the jacuzzi. Try to. It's ideal, but it's not necessary. Idea at wretched.org. All right, this one comes from Lee, who says, why do you think the Bible doesn't give us specific details on how to dress modestly? Uh, but it does, in a sense. <laughs> and yet it doesn't. It's true. The Bible doesn't spell out what should be women's attire for all times and all places. And this is what men's apparel should be all times, all places. It's too brilliant for that. It recognizes that different cultures have different expressions of what we use to adorn our bodies. And it allows for that. And so with that, it sets forth now principles that we can apply in our culture and in our context. What are those principles? Well, I'm an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Do I want to give somebody a bad impression of him by what I'm wearing? Am I saying with my apparel, I love fashion. It's the most important thing to me. Am I saying with my clothing, I'm rich. It, and, and by the way, uh, clothing can also say and be used wrongly to say, I'm humble. Clothing speaks. And if your clothing speaks a sinful word or a word that is not glowing toward the Savior, then you need to change your clothes. Furthermore, is my clothing saying that I deny the existence of sin and the reality of the historical fall in the garden? Because that is one of the lessons of the fall. They were naked and they didn't care until sin entered in and God had to clothe them. Why do humans wear clothing? Because we're different than the animals. We have an acknowledgement that we are living in a sinful fallen world and we can't trust one another. We don't trust one another and we keep ourselves covered. And when we don't do that appropriately, we're saying to the world, no, there's no consequence for sin. Nudity isn't a problem. I'm not so sure that I believe in the fall. Furthermore, if your clothing says, lust after me, come on, take a look. I'm telling you what, what grieves me just about as much as not having a church close to a university campus when we go evangelizing would be these shorty shorts. Honestly, these children, these little girls walking around and I just want to go, where's your dad? If your clothing causes somebody to ask that question, you might want to change it. So the Bible, it isn't specific in that it's always going to be culturally relevant, but it is specific with its guidance that it gives regarding our apparel. This is Wretched Radio. 
Hey, thank you for listening to Wretched Radio today. We know you have infinite choices in what gets your time, and we don't take for granted that you've chosen Wretched Radio. And we also want to thank those of you who are monthly Wretched Gospel Partners. Without your support, we could not do all that we're able to do. From Wretched Radio and Wretched TV to other productions like Road Trip to Truth, Transformed, and Breaking Bread, not to mention the many resources available in the Wretched store, they're all possible only because of you and your ongoing support. If you're not already a monthly Wretched Gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider becoming one? Help us continue producing quality productions that reach millions with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And know that we take seriously our stewardship of the resources you provide. That's why we're audited yearly by the ECFA, so you know we're accountable to you. Get all the information you could ever need about becoming a monthly Wretched Gospel partner now by visiting wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. The war for life is not over. The war for life has just begun. Dan Steiner from preborn.org slash wretched. Our partner clinic in um, Buffalo, New York, is firebomb. A clinic in Longmont, Colorado also was burned. And so this is the essence of who we are as Christians. We war not against flesh and blood. The implication is that we are, in fact, at war, and we are. The war for life rages on state by state, city by city, block by block, woman by woman. Would you please consider supporting preborn.org slash wretched, providing free ultrasounds, providing counseling, providing parental training, providing Similac, providing clothes, providing diapers, and offering them the good news of the gospel. We are at war for life. Please consider supporting preborn.org slash wretched. Why do we believe so much in biblical counseling? And it's comments like these. I just haven't thought of it that way. Pretty intense, huh? Those are comments from real people receiving real biblical counseling for real issues in season one of Transformed. Released this year, Transformed is like nothing else you'll see on Christian TV. You're a fly on the wall witnessing real biblical counseling sessions. With Dr. Greg Gifford, professor of biblical counseling at the Masters University, he's our host and biblical counselor conducting these sessions, which deal with issues like anxiety, OCD, anger, trauma, depression, and much more. And Dr. Dale Johnson, the executive director of ACBC, is our other host. Dr. Johnson chalk talks the sessions to provide a deeper understanding of biblical counseling. Transformed is truly a one-of-a-kind production, providing you with an up-close look at the hope and relief only the Bible can provide. Transformed, from brokenness to wholeness. And it's available now at transformed.org. Important dates in Christian history. 325 A.D. The Council of Nicaea was called to address debates perplexing the church, primarily concerning the nature of Jesus. The Nicene Creed was drafted and is still one of the standards of orthodoxy among Christians. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This is why you need to send stuff to idea at wretched.org. This is Wretched Radio. We love it when you send stuff. You read articles and you go, well, that's wretched. Send it. For instance, this was sent. Well, this is nice, Jimmy. It says America Together Celebrating Diversity for LGBTQ Plus Pride Month. Aww. That was from Fox News's website. Oh. <laughs> yep. ah, headline, Pope Francis 
gave communion to Nancy Pelosi. Well, isn't that terrific right there? Her bishop or archbishop said, no communion for you, pro-abort Nancy. The Pope said, eat and drink. Major retail chains ration Plan B as states enact abortion bans after overturn of Roe v. Wade. This is a subject that we need to start addressing. Abortifacients, Plan B, morning after. Women can still get an abortion through the mail. Be watching for and encouraging legislation on putting an end to all forms of abortion. And then my buddy Ludi sent this from Ireland. Cabinet greenlights free contraception plan for young women. Oh, cool. Cabinet has approved legislation for free contraception for women between the ages of 17 and 25. Well, that's discriminatory. And by the way, when it comes to government giving stuff, it's never free. And finally, this article sent to idea at wretched.org that there is an alternative to traditional health insurance. It's called MediShare, Affordable Biblical Health Sharing. Okay, you didn't send this in, but if you're trying to figure out how to take care of your family's health needs and you're going bonkers because of the costs, because of all of the rules, because of what, whatever your situation is, please consider MediShare.com slash wretched. Average family saves $500 a month. They have teledocs. Their, their approval rating is off the charts. Hundreds of thousands of Christians participating in MediShare. And we take care of one another's health burdens. It is a beautiful thing, and it might be just right for your family. Check it out, please, at metashare.com slash wretched. And please keep those emails coming, because that was sent into idea at wretched.org. Are you ready? That's your, that was your cue. That was right my there. cue. I'm sorry. I I'm always say idea at wretched.org, and then I try to say it on a down note so you know I'm done yeah. talking yeah, yeah, I, now. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Idea at wretched. Org. Okay, here we go. This one comes from Anonymous. Uh, Mr. Friel, Mr. 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 Friel, actually. How would I go about witnessing to a person who has had the gospel explained to them many times, but still lives in unrepentant sin? Yeah, you just keep doing it. You bring them to the Bible. Let the Bible be your judge. Let your Bible be your source of authority. Don't, don't just keep talking to them. Sit them down with the book. Open it up and say, hey, Let's read this verse on whatever the sin subject is and let the Bible do the talking. You could also then take them to 1 John for a 10-point test on whether or not they're in the faith. You can take them to verses like 1 John 3, 8, 9, that he who persists in unrepentant, willful sin is of the devil. Don't be deceived. Teach them about the parable of the four soils. Teach them about wise virgins, foolish virgins, wheat, tares, rotten fish, good fish, because false converts is a subject that Jesus persisted at revealing and explaining. So let Jesus, let the Bible do that explaining for you with your unrepentant friend who is in danger. And that should be your motivation for how you speak to them. Not annoyance, not agitation. When are you, gonna, when are you just going to stop this? Quit doing that. You talk like that or watch that. No, we're concerned. And so we enter into their lives lovingly with our Bibles to let it 
do the heavy lifting. Idea at wretched.org. All right. Uh, this next. Well done, Jimmy. You're right. You're right there. I know. I learned my lesson. This time. This time. <laughs> All right. This next one comes from. Uh, he says, by the way, I think uh, Jimmy is awesome. Jimmy deserves a ray. How do those get in there? I'm sorry. I don't know how I let those slide by. <laughs> we got to get a filter on these things. This one's from Matthew. He says, uh, Todd, is it sin to watch movies or TV shows that depict witches in a positive way? Well, let me uh, replace one subject with another. This is also always a helpful exercise. What is witchcraft, divination, sorcery? It's sinful. It's an abomination. God hates it. He hates it a lot. So why would I put my eyes on something that the, that the Lord who saved me despises? And the answer is I shouldn't do that. He hates this stuff. I'm talking about a lot. Deuteronomy 18. It is, it's sort of, it's like one of those nail guns just bangs away on this. Listen to God's sentiment toward witchcraft and then ask yourself the question, should I really be letting my kids watch Harry Potter? I'm sorry, did I say that out loud? Deuteronomy 18, the priests, the Levites, all the tribes, avoid wicked customs. When you come to the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire, or one who practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who conjures spells, or a medium, or Harry Potter, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. These nations, which you will dispossess, listen to soothsayers and diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not appointed such for you. But some people would say, it's just entertainment. I'm not celebrating it. You're viewing something God hates. He hates it. Let's replace witchcraft with another sin. Um, beating children. Let's, let's go with beating children. Let's use rape. I just watch it. I'm just, I just watch a kid getting beat. It's not like I'm doing it. My, I'm just watching the rape. After all, there can be good child beating and bad child beating, good rape and bad rape, like there's good witches and bad witches. You'd say, that is preposterous. Those things are wicked. And I would say, so is witchcraft. Idea at wretched.org. All right, this one comes from Anonymous, who is wondering how they can encourage and help a fellow believer who struggles with OCD. Mm, patiently. It's, that is a long view malady. That is a struggle that a lot of people have. I encourage you to get equipped to help people. Google biblical counseling, comma, OCD, and read biblical counseling articles, not Christian counseling, biblical counseling articles. Don't veer off the path. Make sure it's a biblical counseling website. There's plenty of free resources about the subject of OCD. It is a subject the church should be aware of, and we should understand this isn't something that's snap. These people who struggle with this have laid down patterns, and they have not yet been able to develop a system to stave off the repetitive thoughts. And we can help them. The Lord has the power to help people overcome OCD. 
But we need to recognize, just as it took a long time to lay down those somewhat debilitating patterns, it's going to take a while to erase them. So get equipped on the subject. By the way, we talk about that in Transformed Season 1, which is available at Wretched.org. There's an episode on OCD. A guy who's an engineer can't stop checking the stove, checking the door. Just locked. There is a biblical key. Learn what it is and be patient with those who wrestle with OCD. And send your emails to idea at wretched.org. All right, Mr. 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 Sensei Friel. Sensei Friel. Sensei Friel. This one's from Alexander, who's wondering if giving out gospel tracts count as evangelizing and can a Christian spend the rest of his life giving out tracts without verbally proclaiming the gospel? Yeah, it certainly is evangelism. That's why we want to give you some evangelistic booklets to give out. <laughs> Solving the God puzzle. Oh, I just found out. We have in the warehouse. Now, this is going to sound like a lot because, well, it is. I, I think the last time I gave you an update, uh, we, we meaning we have given to you and you have given away 600,000 copies of Solving the God Puzzle. Just got an update just this morning. Make that number 700,000. We've got 300,000 sitting in the warehouse waiting for you to visit wretched.org slash puzzle. Order as many copies as you promise to give away, and we will send them to you at no charge. And that includes shipping if you get at least a case, which is 200. Yes, giving away the gospel is evangelism. Should you spend the rest of your life just doing that? Wouldn't make a law where there is no law. But I would encourage that you try to not stay there. There is a joy in evangelism. There really is. Giving somebody a booklet, you know how you feel? It's like, good, I gave away the good news today. Talking to somebody about it is a joyous thing. And I understand if you're not there yet. And I wouldn't say that you need to be like Ray Comfort, who witnesses to X number of people per day, no matter where he is, no matter what he's doing. And you've got to do it with your mouth and not by giving literature. Sometimes Ray just gives away tracks without without speaking to people. Don't feel like you're sinning if you don't, but be encouraged that it would be better if you do articulate the gospel. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hanks. Well, yesterday we told you about the Twitter ban of Pastor Gabriel Hughes for sharing Christ on the social media platform. Well, now Jordan Peterson has been banned as well for misgendering Ellen Page. He apparently didn't call her a him on a Twitter tweet, and the Twitter twit said that he's got to go. So the last two days we've seen Twitter come down hard on people that are telling the truth. Truth and Twitter just don't coexist anymore. Well, a recent article on The Federalist shares the ways the White House has been going about encouraging girls 15 and younger to have abortions without their parents' consent. Here's a question to ponder. If the act of murdering an unborn baby is okay, as so many claim that it is, then why are there so many going to such lengths to keep parents from knowing their minor is actually doing it? It's because they know it's wrong. A British man is planning a lawsuit against the National Health Service for pushing him to undergo a sex-altering surgery without considering his mental illness. He underwent the body-altering procedure in 2018 and calls it the biggest mistake of his life, and he claims people are being pushed into the procedures in troves by the National Health Service, who of course deny the claims. 
But it is interesting when you look in the U.S. and in the U.K. at the numbers of the types of procedures that permanently alter the bodies of individuals, you'll quickly realize just how much of an uptick there has been in the amount of those procedures. Something certainly causing more and more people to have these procedures performed. Well, has anyone noticed that the left has been just a slight bit angry about Roe versus Wade being overturned. <laughs> that's obviously an understatement. One of the efforts that's been attempted was a petition that was sent to George Washington University calling on the school to fire Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas as an adjunct professor. The school denied the petition and defended Justice Thomas. You know, I think I'm going to start a petition to have someone fired somewhere for doing something I don't like. That seems like a good idea. Instead of having an intelligent conversation with someone that might lead to change, I'm just going to get them fired. That'll certainly show them. Well, officials in the Biden administration said the government plans to make abortion pills more readily available in light of Roe versus Wade. And there's also talk of the government spending money, which of course is your money, your tax dollars, they're going to spend some of those tax dollars to build abortion clinics in states that outlaw abortion. And the plan being tossed around is to build these houses of murder on federally protected land. Whatever evil can do to continue propagating evil, that's something that we're going to need to get used to seeing a lot more of. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. <laughs> of God. One name the Bible gives to God is the Greek word despotes, which means absolute ruler. Despotes is related to the English word despot. As absolute ruler, God has ownership rights over all mankind. Yet our Master and Lord Jesus Christ became a man, suffered and died on the cross for his people. The absolute ruler is also our example of ultimate humility. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Big day here at Wretched Radio. For several months, we've been working with the very good people at the Master's Academy International who equip pastors, indigenous preachers in 17 nations around the globe to rightly divide the word of truth, fill empty pulpits, and preach the word of God rightly divided. It is an outstanding ministry. You can learn more about it, incidentally, at wretched.org slash pastor. However, we've been working with the good people at TMAI to get Bibles into the hands of our brothers and sisters in the Philippines. You say, that doesn't excite me that much. How's about this? We want to get John MacArthur study Bibles into the hands of people in the Philippines who are attending churches with Master's Academy pastor graduates. This is a big Deal. We want to send thousands of MacArthur Study Bibles, hardcover so that they don't roll up, shrink up because of the humidity in the Philippines, to our brothers and sisters who speak English, who don't have a Bible because they don't make enough money to buy a Bible, let alone a MacArthur Study Bible. But you perhaps can. Would you consider visiting wretched.org slash Bible and sending as many MacArthur Study Bibles as you can to the Philippines, this is going to strengthen the church in the Philippines. This will have a generational impact. This means that Sunday school classes will be taught better. It means that people will be able to study their Bibles better. It means that dads will be able to lead their family devotions better. It means 
that we are going to have stronger churches. And that is why I am so stoked about this program. Please visit wretched.org slash Bible and send as many MacArthur Study Bibles as you can to the Philippines. And then when you're done, send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. All right, this one is from Brad, who says, Todd, I have heard of pastors, uh, generally full-time pastors, taking sabbaticals. I'm a bivocational pastor who also works uh, 50-plus hours a week. Wow. Been in my current church for nine years now. And I don't have a staff. We're a small church. I don't have a staff. So my question is, what are your thoughts on pastors taking some time off? Mm-hmm. It's, it's um, a pastor taking time off is one thing and a necessary thing and a biblical thing and a recognition that a pastor is not an energizer bunny who can just go and go and go and go without ever resting and relying on the Lord. But that's different than it's, I don't know how long this trend has been going on, and I'm not going to call it a sin because you can't make a sin a sin where there is no law. But the idea of months and months off, I don't think is ideal. Would I say it's a sin? No. What I think is better is that the pastor's schedule is such that he's regularly getting breaks so that he doesn't get to the point of exhaustion where he needs months to recuperate. It's not healthy. It's not biblical. It's not wise. And I don't think that it encourages people in the flock who don't get to take months off at a time. Are you sinning if you do? No. Could there be a project that your elders want you to work on? Certainly. Could there be a situation like Brad's where he's been working 50 hours a week and pastoring where he needs a bit of an extended break? Yeah, but even so, I would encourage then moving forward, get your calendar under control so that you have rest time baked in. But that's just my opinion. Send your questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. All right. This one comes from RJ. Todd, what is your view on the indwelling of the By whole- the way, hold on a second. Okay. Regarding a sabbatical, yes. want to make sure that we define our terms here. If, if you mean that a pastor just unplugs and vacations, that, 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 that's the one that I have a, a, a concern about. But a sabbatical that is maybe the pastor is going to be focusing on other duties than what he normally does. Or the pastor is going to take this time in order to work on something for the body and its growth. Yeah, then I, then I, I think that's different. So let's make sure that we define our terms and then ultimately allow for liberty when it comes to the subject, but ultimately do it the way that I think you should. Idea at wretched.org. Sorry. That's okay. So let me ask you real quick before we jump into the next question. So you're saying that your thoughts on a pastor taking a month or so away to finish up a doctorate degree. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I just, and you'd leave that up to the the wisdom of the elders to make that decision. Right. And then I think, I think it's just wise to bring the congregation in on that. Let them know what's going on. So they think, okay, we, we understand. Oh, that makes sense. Doesn't it? The, the, the one that I, have seen is that it's like one, two, three, four months off. And what really scares me about those types of sabbaticals are the pastors that you don't see in church for that amount of time. It's like, wait, why why aren't you still coming every week? 
If you're not, if you're just sitting at home or you're just resting or sitting by the pool all the time, why can't you come to church on Sunday? That type of sabbatical actually scares me. Idea at wretched.org. All right, this one comes from RJ. Todd, what is your view on the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? The very first time I prayed the sinner's prayer, I had a very unforgettable spiritual experience that left me in awe and amazement. I felt a peace and love that to this day has never been replicated. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what is your view on the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? Um, Because that that feeling has never been replicated. Yeah. And, And it and it probably never will to the same degree. Because the first time you experience something is like, wow, the 75th time you think about the the event that happened in the past, it's probably not going to cause you to emote in the same way. Don't feel bad about that. It's it's akin to marriage. The feelings that you had about your spouse the day you got married versus 31 and a half years into it. Whew, Wow, am I glad I got that right. 31 and a half years into it, they're going to be different. And I will just tell you, my feelings for my wife today are far more profound and deep than they were when we first got married. Do I get that? Oh, 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 there she, oh, I get to see my my bride. No, not like that. But she does make my heart leap. And it, but but it, it's not for the same reasons. They they've grown. They've gotten deeper. They're more profound. We have a history together, and so too when you get saved, you can experience that high. And if it changes over the years, don't don't think you've got to go back and recreate that. That you've got you can't do that. Grow in your love for the Lord. Your emotions will continue to be kindled. They just not might not be the exact same feelings that you had when you got saved. But that does raise the question that is raised in the email. What about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? Because it sounds like he's feeling there's a connection between the two. And I would say, well, there is, but that connection is limited. We have to ask ourselves the question, what is the role of the Holy Spirit? And the Bible spells it out. He convicts the world of sin, righteousness, judgment. He regenerates. He inspired the Bible. He regenerates people, brings them to life, dwells in them, guiding their behavior, giving them strength to be obedient and become conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. I don't know that you're going to find a verse that says when the Holy Spirit is inside of you, you're going to feel giddy. It just It's just not there. Now, When you were regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit and you had those emotions, can you say that God produced them? Well, yeah, you can say that, but it came through knowledge and an understanding. I have been set free. The shackles are broken. I'm no longer filthy. I'm white as snow. This is amazing. But don't connect those high feelings with the role and activity on an ongoing basis of the Holy Spirit, who definitely indwells his children. Idea at wretched.org. All right, from Kyle. Todd, in a previous episode, you provided a list of the things God regulates in worship, and one of them was singing, and that got me to thinking. God welcomes singing, but does he also welcome instruments? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you, when you read the Psalms, don't forget, when you read the Psalms, let me just grab my... MacArthur Study Bible, which you could send to the Philippines... Let me open it up to the Psalms. And if you notice before each Psalm, it says, 
to the chief musician, a Psalm of David, the servant, I'm at Psalm 18, the servant of the Lord who spoke to the Lord, the words of this, of this song on the day, I don't have my glasses on, that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. That's inspired too. That descriptor is actually inspired. And what you will see in sprinkled throughout the Psalms is instruments are mentioned. Furthermore, instruments are mentioned in the Psalms, especially the last several. They're shorter. They're just triumphant praises to God with timbrel, with harp, with lute, with lyre. Praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Human beings have the ability to play instruments well. And we can utilize those gifts to express how we feel about our great God in a way that is very transcendent. It's high. It's lofty. We have communication skills. You combine it with musical skills. And I would suggest music that actually in some way represents or reflects the character and the nature of God the best you can in your local church. That is very pleasing to the Lord because we're the only ones who can do it. Instruments, I think you'd have a very difficult case to make to say, nope, there shouldn't be any. This is Wretched Radio. Confession, normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Are we heading toward a dystopian society? Who decides what is good and evil? Who decides what truth is? Are there such things as fate or free will? Morals, are we born with those? Or does the culture we live in inform them? Those are all really good questions and topics that we tackle daily on Wretched Radio and TV. Our goal has always been to preach the gospel, equip others to preach the gospel, and strengthen the local church. And we're only able to do that with the help of our gospel partners. If you are a Wretched Gospel partner, Thank you so much for your support, which has allowed us to create compelling quality productions that catch the eye of unbelievers, but aren't so cringy they make believers blush. And if you aren't currently, would you pray about becoming a monthly Wretched Gospel partner? Help us continue to reach millions all over the world with the gospel. Just visit wretched.org donate, or you can also just as easily text the word wretched to the number 44321. Thanks to our partners, we were able to create channels of food supplies from neighboring countries of Moldova and Romania. Over 45 tons of non-perishable food supplies were brought in and delivered to thousands of people across small towns and cities that suffered from the war. That is our dear brother Max from the Tomorrow Clubs in Ukraine continuing to preach the gospel, opening up kids clubs.
jobs where they can and, because of the war, providing resources, providing food and shelter and prayer, and of course, the gospel to people who are in need. If you have never considered supporting Tomorrow Clubs, this might be the right time. You are needed in Ukraine. Tomorrow Clubs will do the work. They will take care of the distribution. They just need the resources. Would you please consider providing them? Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Attributes of God. You can trust in God. Malachi chapter 3 verse 6 tells us that God is immutable. He does not change. He is faithful to fulfill His promises, just as much today as when the Bible was written. You can rest assured that His Word is still true. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Let's do this. This is Wretched Radio. That is the number of the old toll-free, 1-877-282-BEEP. Please call with your thoughts. We'd love to hear them. 1-877-282. Hey, Mr., 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 Mr. Friel. For the last time, it's Mr., 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 Mr. Friel to you. I got a question for you. I've noticed that on Witness Wednesdays, you don't really get into, like, apologetics with people. Uh I've noticed that you always go to the law. Is there a reason for that, that you don't go into the apologetics? Well, I always go to the law (laughs) because it's a necessary preamble to the gospel. But, sir, I'm not sure which which witness encounters you're catching because I use apologetics all the time. I try to use the lingua franca. I try to make it as conversational as possible. So maybe it doesn't sound like apologetically academic, but I'm using apologetics regularly with a recognition. Apologetics don't save. First Corinthians one, two, three. The word of God, it's foolishness to those who are perishing. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned. In other words, people who are not spiritual, who are not born again, they can't understand this stuff. So, yeah, I can use apologetics, and sometimes it'll even change somebody's mind about their critique of the accuracy of the Bible, archaeological historicity. Yeah, they they can change their mind, but they can't get regenerated. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing from, not apologetics, the word of God. So I do use them, but I always run to the law before getting to the gospel. one 282 Yes, hi. I have a question that no one's been able to give me a proper answer. <sighs> this might be, what are we up to, like the 27th wonder of the world? <laughs> Madam, let's reason together. You've asked this question to other people, and they couldn't give a good answer. And you called me? (laughs) I wouldn't call me. I'm a Christian believer. My concern is the Bible does not seem to be written with clarity. For instance, Hmm. anyone who drives a car, the DMV um, manual has absolutely no misunderstanding. None. We all know red, yellow, green, what that means. No problem. However, when it comes to the Bible, even something as absolutely valuable as being slain 
age, there's so many different ideas. If mankind can write DMV manuals with no misunderstandings, well, why can't, why didn't God with the Bible? Well, madam, believe it or not, you've come to the right place. Number one, the illustration, if we're going to carry it out and compare an apple to an apple, your claim is that people who get the driver's manual, they all understand it. And yet, I observe, they don't all adhere to it. Would I conclude, therefore, that the manual wasn't clear? No, I would say we're dealing with operator error. And that is what I think is the issue. The assumption is that people understand the Bible differently. Therefore, it's not clear. I would suggest to you the Bible is crystal clear. It is we who make a hash out of it. The Bible isn't lacking clarity. We're lacking a shared hermeneutic. That is one of the reasons you see so many different interpretations. We have the same manual. We have the same clear directives from God. And yet you see lots of different understandings and applications. Why? Because of hermeneutics. Just as you have rules for driving a car, there are rules for reading your Bible. And if you don't know those rules, and adhere to those rules, you're going to have what you see today in the evangelical landscape, different people with different takes on things. But I would say to you, and I'm making up the number, 90% of our disagreements would go away if we had a shared hermeneutic. 90%. Because when you read the Bible the way that it was intended to be written, it is very clear. It is not confusing we're the ones who mess it up. The Bible simultaneously is clear enough for a child to get, and yet so deep and so profound a theologian will never plumb its depths. It's both things simultaneously, and we can read it with confidence as long as we understand what the reader's manual says. One eight seven seven. Did I do okay on that, Jimmy? I think it was a good job. Great job. That was a uh, a good explanation. It was. You're going to have to slow your roll here, Pally. Uh, you crying? And, well, encouragement isn't something that I'm used to from you. So <laughs> 1-877-282-BEEP. Please try to keep it pithy so Jimmy doesn't have to edit you. Oh, hey, Todd. Would it be accurate to say that God is the ultimate cause of evil, but man is responsible for committing the evil? Yes. That is about as succinctly as you can put it. Now, you can unpack that to varying degrees if you would like to. God is the ultimate cause of everything, but that doesn't mean that he's responsible for the evil things that take place. He will sometimes use ideas. He will use false religions. He will use people who then go about the business of encouraging sinful behavior, but the ultimate, the one who ultimately, the efficient one who does the action, that's the one who's responsible. Uh, not sure this illustration works perfectly, but as long as we're using an automotive theme, let's just say your 18-year-old goes, goes driving and gets a ticket. Are you responsible, mom and dad? I mean, after all, you provided them the car. You, 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 you are the one who gave them the keys and a credit card to fill up the gas tank. Are you respond? You go well. No, I, I I provided those things that weren't sinful. Yeah, the the teenager's the one who gets the ticket, and the the same thing is true with evil. God, even though He's created the earth, He's in control of all things. He is not the efficient efficient cause of evil. One eight seven seven 
282 beep 187 All right, so King Skull had called Samuel from the grave. Does this mean that ghosts are real? Define ghosts. The, 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 the apparition that we see with Samson, it's, it's, it's a debatable section of Scripture, not its authenticity, but just our understanding of it. Saul summoned Samuel, and he appeared to him. What was that? And I think the answer is, I, I don't know. My suspicion is my understanding of the text, and you can certainly disagree with my understanding of it, is that it was a demon. Was it Was it actually Samuel? <sighs> it seems that it was, because the text actually says, and it was Samuel, but could it have been a devil that was, that was portraying himself? Yeah, it could have been. I, I don't know that we need to go to the mattresses on that one, but that's that's different than what we perceive of as ghosts today. When 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 you think of a ghost today, what comes to mind for you? Patrick Swayze. You know, these things flying on in the air. What are those? Well, I would say there are things flying around in the air. Why? Not because of the apparition of Samuel, but because of the New Testament's presentation of realms of, a, of realms in spiritual places, and that we wage war against these forces that are invisible, that we do not see. So are there ghosts? Well, I don't think it's like Casper. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know that it's like sheets flying around. I don't think that's what it is. There are spirits, though, demonic spirits that are out there. And for whatever this is worth, and it might not be much, frankly, I think that pharmakia can actually separate that veil that keeps you and me from seeing those spirits and their activities. Drugs Bring down that curtain and you can see them, which is why you will hear so many stories of people who do drugs say, yeah, I see spirits. Furthermore, you've got to take a look at the word pharmakia in the Bible. And Paul uses the term and most interpreters say that's witchcraft. But witchcraft use drugs to get people into contact with the spirit realm. And so the drugs are prohibited inside of that one statement that, that prohibits witchcraft. Why? Because drugs, it sure does seem, can bring you into scary places. Hey, John. Just your good old friend Nick here. I decided to call in because, uh, well, you're my brother in Christ. And uh, last week you were talking about Subarus. And before that, I remember Birkenstocks and how only non-Christian liberals. Well, I'm sitting here in my Subaru calling you in my Birkenstock. Just got out of church. I'm feeling great in the Lord, man. And feeling offended about my Birkenstock. The Subaru, not so much. That was my wife's decision. But uh, the Birkenstock set his home. My friend, I love you enough to tell you, take off them Birkenstocks while you're driving to a used car lot to get rid of the Subaru. Because if not... We're going to trace your number. I'm going to find out who your pastor is, and we will initiate church discipline on you immediately. This is this is just an undebatable observation. You wear Birkenstocks, you're going to be driving a Subaru, or whichever. Sometimes you get a Subaru, then you get the Birkenstocks. But here's how I can prove definitively that only liberals drive Subarus while wearing Birkenstocks. Go to Whole Foods. Parking lot. 
slammed with Subarus and take a look at the tootsies of the people walking around the Whole Foods and you're going to go Birkenstocks. I rest of my case. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.